Um, Our first Bible reading this morning um, is from Ephesians chapter 3, reading from verse 1 to verse 6. I'll just give you a few moments to find that. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Thank you very much, Bex. We're just going to spend a few minutes looking at that. The talk's going to be broken up into a few uh, sections today. I wonder if you've ever been involved in a conversation with somebody. They're in the middle of saying something, and then before they've finished it, they go off on a little digression, and then before they've finished the digression, they go off on another digression, and then another digression, and by the time they get back to the thing they were talking about at the beginning, you've completely forgotten what it was they were saying in the first place. Have you ever been there? kind of irritating a little bit, isn't it? But hey, it happens, and I guess we all do it. And before we're too harsh on people that do that, it's exactly what Paul is doing here. At the end of chapter 2 of Ephesians, we've got these amazing images of people from many nations united among God's people in God's household and built into God's temple, his dwelling place. And it's all fabulous stuff, as Chris was showing us so clearly last week. And when we get to the end of chapter 3, verses 14 to 21, Paul takes all that stuff. He says, for this reason, and then he kind of prays it into reality. It's not enough for him just to teach it. He's got to pray it for it to be real in the church. But before he gets there, before he gets to the big prayer that's going to land everything that he's done in chapter 2, there's this big digression. Chapter 3, verse 1, for this reason, and then the reason doesn't get picked up until verse 14, and then Paul says, I, prisoner, I Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles, um, let me just go back and just explain something. He says, and, and it's this huge digression showing how his message about the nations being united in Jesus in the church is actually rooted in the whole mission of his life to which God had called him from the moment that he became a Christian. Verse 2, surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. In other words, what I was called to do. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation as I've already written briefly. And then verses four and five, he says, because God had called me to that, that's why I'm doing the work I'm doing. So what is this mystery that has shaped the whole calling of his life up to this moment? It's there, verse six. The mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles, that's the non-Jewish people, are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. In other words, he's saying, look, the good news of Jesus is for all of the nations. And that's our theme for this first section. The gospel is for all the nations. Now, this isn't in one sense a new thing. All the way through the Old Testament story, there's a sense of promise and of growing expectation that God has a plan to bless 
all the nations of the world. And as we go through the story, we see glimpses of that in the stories of individuals from outside Israel who find their place in the life of God's people. But still, through the Old Testament, the main focus is on what God is doing in Israel rather than how that work is going to overspill to all the nations. But the mystery that's revealed to Paul is that it is exactly in Christ and in his gospel, his good news, that this great plan is going to be fulfilled so that the original promise to Abraham that all the nations would be blessed is now going to be gloriously fulfilled. And that's going to be fulfilled as Jews and Gentiles together inherit the one blessing given to Abraham, are united in the one body of the church and receive the one promise of the Holy Spirit. That's what verse 6 says, doesn't it? The Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. They inherit the promise to Abraham. Members together of one body, they're united in the church, sharing together in the promise in Christ Jesus, the promise of the Spirit given to God's people from all the nations. And it happens as they are all brought into intimate relationship with God through Jesus in the preaching of the message of the gospel. That's what Paul understood. The great promise of the ages is now fulfilled as the good news of Jesus goes out to all the nations. Now, negatively, that means, and this is really important, negatively it means that any version of Christianity which attempts to justify racism or cultural supremacy is not the gospel. Got that? Loud and clear. It isn't the gospel if it doesn't unite the nations. Any version of Christianity that reinforces our cultural or national identity to the exclusion of others and keeps us within the walls of that identity so that we don't mix with others is not the gospel. Any version of Christianity that allows me to exclude someone on the basis of their cultural background and preferences is not the gospel, because the gospel is for all the nations, or it isn't the gospel at all. Positively, it means that the church should be the most interesting, rich, and diverse community imaginable, where people who could never find unity in anything else find deep and profound unity in Jesus through the gospel. And personally, for you and me, it means that even though sometimes we may feel an outsider, none of us is an outsider with Jesus, whatever our background, if our faith is grounded in him. The gospel is for all the nations. Alison's going to come and help us experience some of the richness of that diversity in our church family. Thanks, Al. Thank you. So as we saw earlier, there are people in this church from many different nations, and I've just asked three of them to come and just give us a snapshot of what the church is like in their country. So I'd like to introduce Mickey from Japan, Mu from China, and Arshad from Iran. Would you mind just coming out? And I've just asked them, can you just tell us something about the church in your country? So, and then they're going to pray... <laughs> You match. That's great. <laughs> okay, Mu, what can you tell us about the church in China? Okay, the church in China, I have very bad news first. Um, 
three CF churches and the underground churches fight a lot. And they also face challenges from society. For example, Chinese worship ancestors, but Christians stop doing that. But good news, sorry, challenges and difficulties make church growing faster and maturely and strong in faith. But bad news, um, false teachers and uh, heresies grow faster too. Good news, governments, um, they crack down on heresies hard. So uh, churches in China, they are complicated and uh, facing challenges and uh, blessed. Thank you. Thanks very much, Mu. Mickey, what about the church in Japan? Um, it's pretty similar to China, but um, less than 1% of the populations are Christians in Japan. And um, there are lots of missionary workers there, uh, foreign missionary workers there, but it's a really difficult country to reach out to. And we do have, uh, Japan is a freedom of religion. But um, the church has lots of challenges. Um, uh, congregations are rapidly aging. And um, it's really hard to reach out to Japanese men because of the long working hours. And um, churches are, tend to be very small, fewer than 30 members. And most of them actually don't have pastors, mm. sadly. So yeah, lack of, challenge, uh, lack of readerships and lack of resources are a challenge. But uh, God is there and we are all praying for revival to come to Japan. Thanks, Mickey. Arshad, what about the church in Iran? Yeah, my name is Arshad, I'm from Iran. Um, in Iran, we have um, lots of uh, church, but this uh, church belongs to uh, originally Christian who were in Iran originally uh, that and granted. But for new Christian, we have a house church who six, seven people, they can go together and then they are be able to worship God. They are new Christian. And uh, it is uh, always a secret uh, because of policy. And uh, yeah, but kingdom of God still working in Iran. And uh, he, his um, kingdom always grows in Iran as well. Thank you, Arshad. I've asked these three just to lead us in prayer for the church in their country, in their language. We've heard a bit from them. So as they pray for their country, would you join in praying for their country and the church in their country just quietly as they lead us in prayer? Thanks. خداوند شکرت می‌کنیم به اینکه تونستیم امروز به درگاه تو با تمامی برادران و خواهران دعا کنیم. خدا یا دعا می‌کنیم به درگاهت که پادشاهی خودت را در سرزمین های کل دنیا پهناور و گسترش بده خداوند از جمله ایران تا همه بتونیم تا با یک صدا نام تو رو جلال بدیم و تو را با یک صدا بتونیم ستایش و همیشه نیایشت کنیم در نام تو میطلبم آمن آمن どうか今年日本伝道が大きく前進しますように。そして主よ、日本人の心を開いてください。そしてあなたの御言葉が一人一人の心に届きますように。一人でも多くの人があなたの御手を取り、共に歩むことができますように。イエスキリストの皆において
亲爱的主啊，我感谢赞美你，你是那昔在、今在、以后永在的神，你是阿拉法，你是阿梅嘎，你是我们教会的元首。我谢谢你亲自的建立了教会，我谢谢你在中国这片大地上面已经兴起了那么多的教会。主啊，在这一个国度里面，我们基督徒们面临的挑战你是知道的，我们面临的困境你是知道的。主啊，就求你亲自的来安慰他们，也亲自的给他们力量来面对这一切的困难，因为你是我们的元首，你是我们的头。我向你献上感恩，愿你自己的旨意在这片神州大地上面能够来成全，愿你自己的旨意行在天上，如同行在地上。我向你献上感恩，我相信你在这一片大地上有你的计划，愿你的复兴的，愿你的。复兴的火能够在这片大地上重新的燃起，感谢你，赞美你，听孩子的祷告，奉我主耶稣圣名祈求，阿门。阿门。And thank you, Lord Jesus, that nothing can stop you from building your church, even in places of great darkness. And today we name before you the countries at the top of the Open Doors World Watch list where it's hardest to be a Christian. And we pray today for people in Afghanistan, in North Korea. In Somalia, in Libya, in Yemen, in Eritrea, in Nigeria, in Pakistan, in Iran, and in India, and we pray, Lord Jesus, please would you keep building your church, and would the powers of darkness be be broken in these countries, so that your church will continue to grow, and people will keep on finding out, hearing the good news of Jesus. And responding to him, in Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you so much.、Um, Mickey is just going to bring us our second Bible reading. Second Bible reading is Ephesians three, verse seven、um, to thirty. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of His power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ, and to make plain to everyone the administration of His ministry, mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the minefield. Mindful wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to His eternal purpose that He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Him and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Very much, Mickey. Thank you. I think we've seen that Paul is excited about the gospel going to all the nations, and he wants the gospel to be proclaimed to all the nations. But he says it's a gift of God's grace. I think Paul saw this as a privilege, not a burden. I think it's quite different to our attitude sometimes when we think, "Oh, I ought to invite someone to Alpha, but I really don't want to do it. I'm a bit nervous." But Paul saw it was a privilege. He wasn't induced by guilt. He wanted people to know about Jesus, but he knew he didn't go alone, because he said it was through the working of God's power. So Paul went in God's strength, not his own. And we can do that as well. When we feel weak, we can ask God for strength. 
When we feel afraid, we can ask him for courage. And Paul knew he wasn't used because he was great. He didn't think he was a megastar. He says he was the least of all God's people. I think that's amazing that Paul calls himself that, the least of all God's people, when we see him as somebody who was so key in the building of the church. But he had humility. He knew it was a privilege. He knew he wasn't special, but he wanted to obey God by taking the gospel to the nations. And he was preaching the boundless riches of Christ. And that's what he wants us to do. We've got good news and God wants us to share it. And the more we delight in Jesus, the more we'll want to share that good news with everybody. So it is for everyone. It's good news for everybody. Whatever people's background, culture, nationality, social background. Because Jesus came to break barriers down. And he invites us to come, to come to a God who loves us, whose arms are open wide, ready to receive anybody who will ask for his forgiveness. He invites us to come and be part of a global family. He invites us to come and enjoy a relationship with God the Father through Jesus, knowing that one day we will be in his presence forever with people from every tribe and nation and language. So what does it mean for us now? Well, here in Above Bar Church, we still believe the gospel is for everybody, and we're trying to reach people in our city with the good news of Jesus. But we also have people who are going to other places with the good news of Jesus. We've got sent mission partners who we support as a church, serving God in different places. But we're also aware that the nations are coming to us in Southampton. Friends International is a great work working with international students in the universities. We've got people in the church involved with Friends International, befriending and welcoming international students. On a Tuesday evening in our top hall, we have global gathering where we welcome people from any nation, any background. We alternate between a a social gathering and a Bible study. And it's a place where believers in Jesus can be discipled. And it's also a place where we can reach out with the good news to people who don't yet know Jesus. On Monday lunchtime, we open the church for our English language cafe. We just have conversation with people to help them practice their English. But it's been a springboard for many people to find out about Jesus. God is at work, and it's exciting work to be a part of. And I guess we all have people we know, maybe colleagues, maybe neighbours, who are from different backgrounds. Sometimes it can feel daunting, can't it? How do we reach out to these people? Where do we start? I've asked Beck, she's she's had lots of experience in reaching Muslim people, people from a Muslim background, should I say. And um, Bex, can you just share with us one or two of the things that you've learnt through your experience of of meeting with these people? Um, Yeah, sure. Um, So the first thing I would say that the first time I went to the Middle East, um, I was completely naive. Um, I had very little experience of working with people from a Muslim background. Um, I'm not sure I'd have got on the plane, actually, if I'd, if I'd known what it was <laughs> going to be like. Um, but I learned so much during that first year um, of working um, in Yemen. Um, and one of the things that I learned first and very quickly, actually, was that when you met somebody, they would ask you what your name was and then are you a Muslim? And that was 
kind of mind-blowing to me because I was just not used to faith being such a part of conversation, um, having come from the UK. And so I think in some ways it was just really helpful to realise that actually talking about faith was just an incredibly easy in, in many ways, um, much easier than, than, than with people I'd worked with here in the UK. Um, and so having conversations, having dialogue with people um, was actually just a wonderful way of getting to know people, of building relationships, and faith just became part of conversation. Um, and so that's one thing I would say um, in, you know, in the UK as well, um, that, that people who are from Muslim backgrounds are very willing to talk about faith. Um, and so don't be afraid, be, be open to those conversations. People are hugely hospitable and um, they'd love to welcome you into their homes. I know people in this congregation who've experienced Arab hospitality um, and things like that. So yeah, that's, that's just a, a really lovely way of kind of engaging with people. Um, I think as well, just to be prepared for the common questions that will be asked about Christianity um, things like the corruption of the Bible, um, Jesus being the Son of God. These are big questions, but having something that you're prepared with, um, kind of just there are good resources out there to help you to think about these things. Um, and then I think as well, there have been times when I have, have felt a sense of fear and oppression. Um, and Islam is a religion that feels very much like it it can feel very heavy and and that we have something to fear from it, but we don't have anything to fear. Um, we have the gospel, we have the victory. And so I think going into any conversations or relationships, don't be afraid. Um, we, we know that we go with the strength of the Holy Spirit. Um, he is the one that enables us. Um, and actually, I think the greatest thing that I learned <laughs> was that it's nothing about what I can do. There's nothing about what I can say. Um, it is only a work of the Holy Spirit that can break chains. And so do be praying that God would reveal himself. He does in miraculous ways, through dreams, through visions, through, through his, his word. Um, people do read. Um, and so just be praying. I don't know what your circumstances are, but be praying that God would reveal himself um, in amazing ways because it is ultimately only a work of the Holy Spirit that can change people's lives. Brilliant. Thanks, thanks. That's really helpful. And really briefly, what happens on a Thursday morning, a Thursday lunchtime that helps you continue sharing the gospel? Um, so <laughs> this has been a great joy for me over the last couple of years now. Um, Alison and I have been um, running a group on, on Zoom, um, which has continued on Zoom because we have people coming from other countries, which is just an incredible op opportunity. So we use... Um, Bible stories as a medium um, for, for teaching English, um, but we're very open about that fact, and so people choose to come, who comes along, um, and it's just, I think one of the most amazing things about it is that it is a mixture of believers and not believers, and so um, people from Muslim backgrounds and people from all different backgrounds um, who are meeting together and discussing and talking about what we learn about God and what we learn about people what difference would this make if, it, if it's true? And hearing um, people like Moo testifying to the reality of the gospel in her life alongside people who are not yet believers. And that is just an incredible joy. So, yeah. Thanks very much, Bex. Brilliant. Thank you, Alison. Thank you, Bex. And I hope as a church you've just felt encouraged by what you've heard this morning and enriched by the reality of being a global family. It's a wonderful thing. Um, and, and there's so much life uh, in 
the, uh, the work that's going on um, with and among internationals in the city, as well as through our mission partners across the world. So we've seen very clearly from the passage that the good news of Jesus is for all of the nations, but God never intended that that should just be words, that it should just be a theory, just a kind of jolly good thing to believe that we sign up to and tick a box. No, this was meant to be lived experience, gritty, rich, sometimes costly reality. Just look at verse 10 and 11. God's intent, such a strong word, God's plan, his intention, God's intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be, known to the, should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Just notice a couple of words there. Notice the now in verse 10 and the eternal purpose in verse 11. So how is God's eternal purpose intended to be revealed now? That's the question that these verses is answering. And it answers it with the use of this curious word, manifold. Not a word that we use very much uh, these days, I think. But manifold means multiplex, varied, diverse. So God's eternal plan, his eternal wisdom, which is unfolding in human history, was always wide and multiplex and diverse and global, never narrow, never nationalistic. As we saw in chapter one, this plan of God was to bring all things together. And Paul sees in verse 11 that this eternal plan of God to unite all things has been accomplished in Jesus through his death and resurrection. Well, that's lovely, but how are people meant to see it? How are people meant to believe it? How is it to be not just words, because words are cheap and easy, but visible, compelling, experienced reality? How is the rich, varied, diverse, multiplex plan and heart of God to be made visible in lived experience now? Well, the answer is so clear, verse 10. His intent was that now, through the church, this manifold, variegated, multiplex wisdom of God should be revealed through the church. So I want to say this morning, being a church that unites the nations is not just for the global gathering team, is not just for the sent mission partners, is not just for the English language cafe team. It is for all of us to welcome people from other cultures into our lives, into our homes, into our church family. And in the same way, being a church that cares about children and young people isn't just for the children and young people's teams. It's for all of us to include and welcome and journey with and value children and young people. Just as being a church that values and honours older adults isn't just for the Connect team. It's for all of us to respect and value and include them. And of course, the implication of that is that none of us gets church just the way we like it. Can I say underlined, none of us is meant to? 
If church is always just the way you like it, there's something wrong with above bar. If it never pushes you out of your comfort zone to experience a culture that is not your own, then we're getting it wrong. Because God's intent was that through the church, his varied manifold wisdom should be revealed to the watching powers of the universe. This is the new mission to which the church is called. May I ask you, individually and honestly, have you taken that on board in a way that costs you something? Because you need to, because this is God's plan and his calling to the church. And I need to as well. Because the big thing is not church as I like it, but church as God intended it. And it couldn't be clearer here what that church is to be like.